Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, everybody. I am so excited to have you back at Book Journeys Radio. And I'm really excited about the topic of today's show on a number of levels. Um, I have had the honor of working with Rachel Rose Alexandria as a client. And I also had the honor of publishing her book, Woman Overboard, Six Ways Women Avoid Conflict and One Way to Live Drama-Free. And so I know today's conversation is going to be very enlightening, and we're super lucky to have her on the show. So, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Yay. I'm glad to be here, Angela. Awesome. Well, let's just start off by talking about your first book, Woman Overboard. Um, Why don't you tell people what it's about? So Woman Overboard is uh, basically about how women especially – have difficulty with being feeling responsible for other people's emotions and how we end up avoiding conflict like that there's there's six different ways that we avoid conflict it's about how that's really counterproductive to us getting into higher levels of leadership and success and getting our needs met and the second half of the book is devoted to the solution that I created which is called the self rescue system so it's all about Which I love, and I use the self-rescue system. So actually, I'm going to ask you this right at the beginning of the show because I'm such a big fan of the self-rescue system. Is there um, – what website should we send people to if they want to learn more about you? So they can actually go to woman-overboard.com. Awesome. I am so glad I asked. So. Definitely check that out. And then let's just give people a sense of the six ways that women, because um, I, I, I used a couple of these and I thought they were pretty good ideas until I worked with you. So um, so tell us about the six <laughs> ways that women, and, and really it's not just women, although I think we're really good at it because we're overachievers. We're, yes. Um, yes, exactly. So what are the six ways that we have come up with to avoid conflict? The six ways that we avoid conflict are distraction, Overwhelm, self-flagellation, shutdown, blame, and passive aggression. Oh yeah, I'm good at more than two of those. I just think if that was a report <laughs> card, I would have like I would definitely be passing. That's awesome. <laughs> you get marked across the board, right? <laughs> right across. Yeah, I don't think I would get straight A's, but there's a good three or four A's in that collection. So, um, it's a it's a fantastic book and. Um, so much amazing content you share in this book, but I think so many people have great content and they have the dream of writing a book, um, but a lot of times they don't make it happen. So um, I'm hoping today this conversation, obviously I want people um, to learn about the self-rescue system and your book, but I also want them to understand how it is you were able to get this done. So let's just talk about what is it that you wish you knew before you wrote this book? 
wish I knew before I wrote this book. Um, in some ways, I would I would love to say I wish I knew how much time and energy it was going to take, but I also know that that's it's better that I didn't know <laughs> because I <laughs> yeah. <wouldn't> have started. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I wanted to, well, the, the thing that I think was most important for me and I wish I had known earlier in the process was how much time and energy I needed to devote to marketing way before the book was published. Because, you know, it's, it's all well and good to write a fantastic book, which I think I did. Um, but if it only gets into the hands of a few hundred people, it's not really serving the way it's meant to serve. So marketing is a huge piece of that journey, and that starts much earlier than I would have thought. It doesn't start when the product is, exists. It starts way before that. Well, and you did that because you actually ran a crowdfunding campaign um, for your mm-hmm. book before you wrote it. or I mean, it might have been after you started it, but certainly before you finished it. Um, and mm-hmm. so what what are some of the things uh, that you learned about crowdfunding and, and maybe how it relates to marketing? Um, well, yeah, that's a good question. I did start, I did start some of it definitely early and that's part of why I think the book did fairly well um, from the launch. Um, I, I think crowdfunding is kind of a genius way to market. That's not why I did it. I did it because I actually needed the money, <laughs> but um, it was a win-win scenario because, it gives people a chance to be invested in a product and, and people have a different mindset about something when it's being created than when it already exists. Like people mm-hmm. believe in a passion project and that, you know, inspires them to want to participate. So it gives them a chance to be in relationship with me as a producer of something, as a, as a person with a dream. Um, and, and that helps, you know, it may, people like want to join in and be a part of that because, they get catharsis from it. Like, you know, everyone has dreams. And so everyone likes to see, you know, YouTube videos of someone accomplishing their dream. And so when you get to be part of that, I think that's why Kickstarter and Indiegogo are so successful. People like being part of someone else's dream and they'll be excited to talk about it because they feel like they're part of that family once it's in existence. And were the people who funded your crowdfunding campaign, did they participate when your book came out? Do you feel like you got a different mm-hmm. reaction to them than other people? I don't know that I can – I think – I don't know if I can say that quite across the board, but I think I think a lot more people were excited about the journey than actually gave money, um, mm. which is really okay. Like I, oh, I get that's that. a great I think there's point. A, yeah, because there, there's a there's a, a pyramid, right? Like to actually participate in the system, sign into a, a site and give money is a whole other, you know, third level of investment. But, um, you know, there was a so wider breadth of people who thought happening. So what you're saying is even people, right, so even people who didn't fund the crowdfunding campaign, doing the crowdfunding campaign helped raise the awareness of your book before it came out, even by people who didn't yep. fund it. Oh, oh, yeah. I only had, like, that. 45 donors, but I know Which is more than amazing. 45 people. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with that. And, you know, I have, you know, a 1,000 people that I'm connected to on Facebook alone. Um, so, mm. you know, that's a small percentage. But I think I, I never really counted, and I wish I had. The launch day was so crazy. That's another thing I wish I'd known. I wish I'd had somebody, like a friend or 
family member or somebody to be with me on launch day to help me keep track of all the things that were happening and like record them because I've lost all the all the Facebook posts that people did about the book on launch day, but it was more than oh, God, so much. Yeah. That's a great point and a great suggestion. Let's go back to the writing process. Actually, let's go back to even okay. before you wrote. Tell us um, how how did you pick this topic and how did you kind of narrow your focus um, with so much information? Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for experts to decide what to write about. So how did you pick this topic? You know, in on, in honesty, I mean, I'm going to go kind of into the woo here because that's, that's my nature. Um, uh, this topic picked me. That's, that's honestly mm. what happened. Um, I was already midstream writing a different book that was about my business focus, which is healing for good girls. And I, you know, it was kind of more of like your traditional expert book. Like, let me talk about this topic and here's some different things to think about. Meh, 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 meh. And I, I mean, I was doing all right with it, but it really wasn't inspiring me. You know, I just felt like, well, I, I need to get something out about this stuff. And then I was working with one of your other authors, actually, who's a, a speech designer. And we were working on designing a speech for me. And, and in talking about it, I, I came out with something that I hadn't realized that I had the secret to, which was how to handle conflict, like a, a secret to handling difficult conversations and not getting triggered and like all freaked out and stuff, because I used to. And when I was describing it to her, she was like, wow, that's, that's new. And I realized that I was sitting on this treasure that no one else knew about. Mm. And I, so wow. I had to write that book. Like that book was, became like an, a consuming passion for a year where I just talked about it nonstop. And I tested it out with clients and I tested it out with friends. I had people looking at my copy and at the, at the concept. And yeah, so I would say it picked me. I love that. Um, and then once you had, um, this is this is something that really fascinates me. When people come up with a topic or an idea for a book, they also often have like a vision of what that is going to look like. And mm-hmm. I wonder how similar or different. And there's like no right or wrong answers here, but when you originally had that conversation, she's talking about a, an author named Michelle Mazur. Um, who wrote Speak Up for Your Business. When you had that conversation with Michelle, how different did the book turn out to be than that original idea? I didn't even know that that was a book idea at the time. I just thought it was a speech mm-hmm. idea. But um, the, it, uh, I think I, the seeds of what was there, I'm trying to think back to those notes I took that day. The seeds of what was there, yeah. Well, I think what changed was originally I thought, oh, I can just make this like a an ebook or a pamphlet or something, you know, like a long a long PDF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that definitely changed, like because mm-hmm. I I taught a class on it as I was writing the book, and watching people go through it, like I realized I kept needing to add more information and more information so that they could. You know, there was a lot of curse of knowledge that I had, meaning that I couldn't see what they didn't know yet because I had I had already integrated this information. So I think the only thing that changed was that I wrote a heck of a lot more than I thought I would. Ah, got it. 
Um, so when you started writing, talk about your writing process. How how did you do it? Did you write a little bit each day? Did you write big chunks? Uh, did you run into, you know, a schedule that works, or, or how did it happen? Uh, it was sort of like, <laughs> it was like, a person running a marathon for the first time who's never trained for it or, you know, who's barely trained for it. I have a, I have a background in poetry, so I'm really good at writing really short little things and being done. Um, so it was kind of like blood, sweat, and tears. Like I would sit sometimes when inspiration would strike, I'd sit down and write, and that those were the great times. Uh, sometimes I would try to force myself to write. I'm a big extrovert, so for me – scheduling time in my calendar to sit down and do something solitary when I know I actually don't have to does not work. That doesn't work for me. It never has. So I would schedule writing dates with people. That was usually somewhat productive, although we would talk for like the first hour. Yeah. (laughs) It would get me somewhat done. But it was just kind of like wherever I could scrape it together, wherever I could, you know, I went on a, I actually led a writing retreat. I got some done then. Part of what happened during the process was I, I started drawing pictures. Um, and that actually yeah, led to that. being a big feature. Yeah. So <laughs> I was trying to write, and I don't, at, the, at this point, I don't remember what I was trying to write, but um, I think it was something for the book. I was trying to explain a concept, and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to need pictures in this book. And I just hate sourcing stock photography, I just hate it. Um, so I was just like, I just got frustrated and I'm like, dang it, I'm just going to try and draw it. I'm just going to draw some kind of stick figure representation and that's going to be good enough for now. This is back when I thought it was going to be an ebook that was not like it was just self-published as a PDF. Um, I thought, well, you know, it's, it's the important thing is the concept. I don't care about it looking perfect. And then I posted pictures of those drawings on Facebook and people just freaking love them. And I was really surprised and I, and they freed up my creative energy because I didn't get so stuck on how it has to look or describing it perfectly because I could convey it through a drawing and, you know, people go look at the book or they go look at my website. You'll start to see like they are so not perfect. Like it's not like I'm some sort of amazing evocative artist, but, but somehow these drawings but have magic in them. But they point across in a different way. They do. Like, I think some people... They do. <laughs> Really visual, and that's such a powerful tool. And I actually like that you're not, it's not some amazing art. Like, I think it makes you more approachable. I think a lot of mm-hmm. authors would want to do that and wouldn't necessarily allow themselves the freedom because, like, they're not a trained artist or something. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that made such a personal connection, especially to the people who are more visual and just yeah. connect that way better with people. It's really one powerful. of those funny things that that works out really well because it's it's the thing that made it easy for me that that fits my capability and my joy, and it just mm. happens that it really works for the audience too. Like, yeah, it's one of those things I could never have expected or planned, but there's something bigger and magical that just worked out there. So I know that in the past you had tried to write other books that you didn't finish. Why do you think mm. this one was different? Was it the drawings? Was it the writers' groups? What do you think made uh, the difference? Uh, you know, I think that the idea, first of all, I'd been in business long enough. I think I'd amassed enough 
you know, I'd suffered enough, I'd amassed enough wisdom, like I really felt like I did have something unique to say. So that was part of it. I couldn't, I couldn't write a book until I felt like I actually had something different to say and not just a slightly different take on something. Like I, it, to me, this feels unique. And mm. that was important for how much I don't like the process of writing. <laughs> I have to have something important to say in order to do it. And it has to be a consuming passion. So that was part of it. The reason that I, so that was the reason I, I really got two thirds of the way in. The reason I finished it was hiring you and going through your process and having an editor that I worked like a developmental editor that I worked with because I was in the weeds by that point and I just didn't, I couldn't get out. I was overwhelmed. So having someone that I owed work to each week and then she would send me stuff back and give me, you know, compliments and advice. That's what got me to finish. So writing a book, and I love that you used the metaphor before of, of running a marathon um, especially uh, running a marathon where you haven't trained for it. Um, but writing a book, there's so <laughs> many things happening, and I think they all use, like, different parts of your brain. Like, the part of your brain that needs to be mm. good at writing and coming up with content isn't necessarily the same part of your brain that's going to be awesome at marketing or at finding an editor or at managing timelines and deadlines. Like, they're all such different skill sets. And so um, do you think that the, you know, was it straight up overwhelm that might have stopped you from finishing without, you know, our team or some something like that? Um, is it just that there are too many things to keep track of on your own? Or was it more like writer's no. block and like, am I good enough to no. write this book? Am I good enough to put it out there? It was more like I was drowning in a sea of words. Like when I'm, mm. I don't know if anyone's ever like moved their home, for example, and you have like 50 boxes that are packed and another 25 that are half packed and your house is like two thirds of the way empty. And you just kind of look around and go, I don't even, which one do I, how do I even yeah, like keep going? Like right it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's so different than, like, starting when you're like, great, I can take all the books off this shelf and put them in a box. Like, that's simple. It's done. But when you start being like, well, but I only have this much of this box left, and how do I fit this in there? And it was more organizational, and just every time I'd look at it, there'd be eight things to be paying attention to. It was like juggling. It was like juggling all the words and all the strategy and all the concepts at the same time. Mm -hmm. I just needed another pair of eyes on it. It's the kind of thing I could do for somebody else, but I couldn't do it for myself at right. the same time as keep slogging through when I was already tired and just like, you know, in the third trimester, you know, trying to, you know, get this baby pushed out. I was like, I, you got to have a birth coach or something like right. <laughs> just can't do it by myself. So your book came, did your book come out in January? December. When did your book come out? December, okay. December. And tell us what has happened since your book came out. What are some of the best things to have had, or worst things, um, but what are some of the things that have happened <laughs> in, your, in your life, in your business, um, things that have changed for you that wouldn't have gone that way necessarily if you didn't have a book? You know, I think some of that still, I'm not always aware of, of some of it, 
you know, I think some of it happens in a, in a larger context, but definitely, um, you know, it's been lovely to get royalties. It's been really wonderful the way that people treat me as an expert. Like I really don't, I already felt do you pretty see respected a difference in my there? profession, but there's, a, I do. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no question anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I say I'm a difficult conversations expert, everyone's like, yeah, Okay. Whereas before, right. it, no one said anything, but there was just an energy of kind of like, well, you, you know, um, for a little while, especially when I do speaking gigs, I mean, because I run in the network of a lot of entrepreneurs who've also written books. So they're all, we're, we're sort of peers and we're like, yay, each other. But whenever I get kind of among the rest of the people, because I forget that that's not common, because among the people I know it is common. <laughs> Well, when I, when I do speaking gigs and, you know, I get introduced and, oh, she just wrote a book and published a book and people get, like, big saucer eyes, like, wow, you know, that's so amazing. And, you know, a lot of my, like, I got uh, <laughs> oh, one of my high school classmates, um, she knit me a hat because she posted something and, or I posted something about a hat and she was like, I can knit that for you. And she sent it to me and she sent it to me with a card. I haven't talked to this person since high school. And she sent me a card, and she's like, honestly, I'm just so excited to have been able to do this for you. Like, you're, you know, it's so exciting to say that I knew you back when. People who said stuff like that. So it's a nice perspective to to feel like, you know, people really can, like, see that I've done something that's big. And I think internally that's one of the biggest shifts, like, of all the accomplishments I've had, like, I've gone to, you know, graduate school a couple times, which, you know, people don't care about a ton unless you're applying for jobs. I mean, they care that you're qualified, but that's it. Um, and I've I've had uh, different kinds of personal triumphs, but this is something, like, this book is something that no matter el- what else happens in my life, nothing will ever change the fact that I wrote this book and that it's in the mm-hmm. hands of other people, like, you know... I think my work as a therapist on an individual level, people get lasting effects from that, but people can forget, people die, you know. But something about this is just like a rite of passage, and and it will exist forever. That achievement, you know, even if (laughs) everything stops, like I will will never have not written that book. And somehow that makes a difference to me. I think this is one of the most fascinating things because I've talked to – so many authors who were like you, had many degrees, had spoken at events, were clearly already experts, had written thousands, tens of thousands of words in blog posts, had helped dozens of people, maybe hundreds of people, and they didn't get the same level of third-party credibility of just being mm-hmm. recognized as an expert until they wrote a book. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't think they're any mm-hmm. smarter at the end of writing a book or any more qualified <laughs> or valuable right. as a human being. But it does change the way other people see you. And like you say, especially people Perception, who aren't running yeah. around in a world of everybody publishing books. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> it, like, automatically puts you in this other category. And mm-hmm. you can't not be in that category once you're in it. You're just seen differently, and it's such a powerful tool. It really is. And, and there's, of course, also the benefit of, you know, running into people who are like, 
you know, people on Facebook, people I didn't even know bought the book, and then coming to me and saying, oh, my God, that was so helpful. Thank you so much. Like, this made a big change for me. So there's also something awesome. kind of cool and different about it. I think it must be like, I don't have kids, but I think it must be like having a kid and then hearing that your kid is off making the world a better place. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't I didn't do that part. Like once it's off in someone else's hands, their relationship with it is their own. Yeah. And so that's kind of amazing that I created some sort of entity that is also helping change the world, but I don't I'm not doing that actively anymore. Our timelines have diverged. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah. It, yeah. It is, I'm done, totally. but the book isn't, and the book will continue like an asynchronous relationship they're having a relationship yeah. with you over in chicago and you're like doing your own thing don't even know who they are and i'm writing a, a different book yeah on. right yeah. well let's talk about that actually um what is what is your next project so uh of course i have like four right now but um <laughs> Your I had I had a project. bunch of books try to come into me as I was finishing the first one. I'm like, could you? Can I just like have time? Like, could you give? Can I just give, give me a this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to not to you know bat the muse's hand away, but um, so the one that that showed up uh, most recently, it's it's entirely illustrated. It's kind of uh, like a la Shel Silverstein is what I'm thinking. Mm. Um, so I'm taking those stick figure drawings, but every page has stick figure drawings and my and just like you know one sentence of text or less. It's called How to Change Your Operating Instructions. So Love it! And we actually, I think you sent us some <laughs> pictures from that, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, so so a couple of the, of the, few, the what... first few pages, yeah. Yeah, if you want to see what Rachel's talking about here, go to the authorincubator.com slash blog and um and you'll be able to check out our blog post on this episode, which is episode one eighteen. Um, you'll be able to find that right in our blog and, and check out some of the pictures from her new book. So pretty creative idea. What uh who who are you writing this for? I think this is for anybody. Like the more I work with people, the more I see how we all have, we all struggle with our inner critics. You know, that I I see that that is a huge reason that there's suffering in the world because of the ways that we judge ourselves and substance. And then like uh, sequentially, then we judge other people because we're not able to, to be compassionate and loving with ourselves. And there's lots of stuff about inner critics out there, but what I've, hit upon lately that just kind of came out of some of my session work with clients is, you know, you can, you can do a lot of work with the inner critics and be like, please don't beat me up. You know, what's, this isn't helping. But part of the problem is the instructions that they have from your childhood that say, this is how a good person is, you know, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, children are seen and not heard, you know, or like I had one recently that I I discovered in myself that was, um, I have to meet people's expectations in order to belong. Like that was an operating instruction. So whenever I wasn't meeting that or like adhering to that instruction, like if I'm in a leadership position in a group and there's other leaders and I'm not sure if what their expectations are, then I get all weird and wonky and triggered. And I realized I had this operating instruction. I'm like, that is so not serving me. My inner critic's beating me up on this. This is, this is not, 
this is not a useful operating instruction anymore. So I changed it. So it's kind I of it's it. kind of a primer on helping people learn like how to change what they it? believe about who they are. Yeah, right. nobody else can change it. But people right. don't realize that they can change the it, that it can be changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Exactly. Powerful. Like reprogram your brain to say, that is, I don't need to believe that anymore. So I changed that one to, I trust that I belong and the divine leads the way. <sighs> and I haven't been triggered about this since then. I love it. So Rachel Alexandria, you can check her out on woman-overboard.com or go to healingforgoodgirls.com and you will see more about what Rachel is up to. I really um, encourage you to uh, check out the blog post and check out the pictures from her new book and hopefully um, connect with her as well. Um, the book is really powerful. Your advice to other writers is appreciated. We've got about a minute left. Any um, final words of advice that you would want to leave uh, future writers with? You don't have to do it alone. You know, get help so you can get it done. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Rachel, so much for being here. You know I love your work. Uh, I love you, and I love this book. I hope lots of people (laughs) find it. And thanks for being our guest today. Thanks so much for having me. I hope it helps. Yay. And um, this week, uh, also be sure to check out the um, Page Up podcast for more uh, advice on how you can get your book done. We'll be back here next week talking to another author and changing the world one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.